podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean, and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, Theo, that was a good podcast. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Bit of fun. I don't know if you uh, can hear that alarm going off in the background. I think Theo's car's been broken into. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> something's Probably happened. right. Uh, what did we talk about? We talked about clubs where we think the wheels have fallen off. Yeah, and we concluded that, yes, indeed, they have fallen <laughs> off at Manchester City, <laughs> yeah. Norwich City, yeah. Manchester United, yeah. and most definitely Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> most disastrously yeah. Tottenham. But I think we threw a few more names into there. Yeah. Pretty depressing episode, all, all be told. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you like like it uh subscribe uh on all good podcast providers uh follow us on twitter at football podcast i'm on at mark smith stuff theo you got twitter at theo delaney easy all right have a good one see you later Welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. I am your host, Mark Smith. Uh, Martin Gritton, who was back triumphantly, he was back last week, and he's gone again. He's doing a commentary again somewhere in the southeast. Don't even know where it is this time. He won't even give me that information. But instead, we've got an upgrade. We've got, in his place, we've got Theo Delaney. Theo, how Hi. are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. People might recognise your voice from The Spurs Show, which yeah. is uh, another podcast on this network, and your own podcast, yes. which I believe is called Life Goals. Life Goals with Theo Delaney. Nice. And each week we have a different guest, yeah, talking about their, uh, the, the, the eight defining goals of their lives. Nice. And how early on to the uh, series are we? With so that? we're on number three. So we started with Kevin Day from Crystal Palace, uh, Chris pa- obviously very well known yeah, Crystal yeah, yeah. Palace fan. That was great. Then we had Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. He was week two. He's, He's a, fan, like he? me, he's a Tottenham yeah, fan. Yeah. And this we've got... Rufus Jones, who is the actor yeah, and yeah. comedian and writer, who's excellent. He's got his own sitcom called Home that he writes and everything. Who's his support? QPR. Nice. So he's been very good on QPR. Next week, Andy Dawson from Atletico Mints yeah, and yeah. Uh, Top Flight Time Machine. Yeah. So well, it's good. great guests. Yeah. It's been and a great really host, well. Theo. Let's Thank you. Thank you. Uh, right. Uh, let's talk about the football from the weekend just gone. Um, I think today I'd like to talk about. Wheels falling off so early into a season. And I think there's quite a few teams that would fit into this category. Yes. And I think it would be remiss of us not to start with your team, Spurs. <laughs> um, another tough weekend. Actually, another tough week, actually. Yeah, terrible week. Um, terrible. I mean, what do you make of it? From the outside looking in, it just looks like it... It just shows you how fickle this game is. It was only a few months ago you were in the Champions League final, flying yeah. high. Everyone looked like a proper unit, really happy. And now it looks like you've got 11 strangers on the pitch. Yes. And a manager that maybe doesn't want to be there. Is that fair or is that way off? I would say you've summed it up to perfection. 
Hey, thanks, so your, your, your assessment from the outside is very, very <laughs> almost identical, in fact, to the one from the inside. So okay. I've done a Spurs show this week where we've had people, all of whom have contacts with, on the inside and everything, and, and, and basically that's it. I mean, there was a moment, I'm, I'm accused amongst the Spurs, um, the listeners to the Spurs show, of being a bit too happy-clappy and a bit too much like... Too positive. Yeah, too positive. I love that you get criticised for that. <laughs> yeah, I get very much criticised, because you know what it's like on social media, all these people moaning. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't moan, you know, and I, and I, I don't, I always, I've always opposed the moaning. But there was a moment on Saturday at Brighton when Hugo Lloris made yet another clownish mistake right at the start of the game. Well, you couldn't believe it in the circumstances, having just yep. lost 7-2 and the, and the previous game, him making every bit as bad a, a stupid clangor against Southampton. You couldn't believe what you were watching. And with, with a matter of seconds into the game, he makes the most massive mistake. In the process, gives himself what for a goalkeeper could be all, almost a career-ending in, injury. Yeah, how old is he, by the way? 32. So he's not... It's not old it's for not a keeper, old but, for a it's, keeper but, it's, but it's... I mean, you dislocate your elbow, that takes, that takes a bit of coming back from. Absolutely. And then the camera, as I was sitting at home watching it, and, I, and the camera looked, it was like... It looked at all of the players as they waited for Hugo Lloris to be treated and taken off, and they all looked like the blood had drained from their faces, and they just looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked like they, oh no, what are we going to do now? And it was at that moment where my happy clappy status suddenly <laughs> was gone because I suddenly thought, oh my god, this is this is going to go wrong. This on, is on this minute is, three of, yeah, the, of the game. This is catastrophic. I can see, you could see it in them that they didn't fancy it. There was not, you know, in other, other teams, other circumstances, and certainly Tottenham until recently, you know, they'd all be going, come on, lads, they'd all go, come and geeing each other up. There was yeah. nothing like that going on. And sure enough, they completely capitulated to Brighton, you know. Do those players exist anymore, though? I mean, there's, there's a few examples of those sort of chest thumping, yeah. screaming at your, your, your teammates sort of players. But I feel like they are dying out a little bit. I agree, because, of course, these, these yeah. I mean, culturally, the whole thing's very different now in football teams. But for, from Tottenham's point of view, five years ago, at this exact moment, going into the second international break of the season, Spurs were absolutely on their asses. We'd lost at home to Stoke in the most pitiful, supine uh, display, you know, performance that we'd put on. It was terrible. Mm. And what happened is now, is now sort of, you know, the stuff of um, recorded history is that Pochettino decided he had to root out the older players who weren't buying into his very intense training techniques and, and the pressing game and everything. He needed to root them out. But he needed, to, in order to do that, he needed to get people behind him in that dressing room. He couldn't get rid of them all. No. And people like Harry Kane and Ryan Mason in particular stepped forward and there were a lot of shouting, a lot of you know, conflict, and they did it. They backed Poch, and the rest is history. Kane and Mason emerged. Mason later left, obviously, but Kane became what he was. Who, and they were all clenching their fists. Who were the other players in that core then that, that, that survived the, the, the Pochettino People like Carl Walker, Danny Rose. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. At that, at that time, it's quite a long time ago now, wasn't it? So Lloris was already there. Yeah. Uh, Vertonghen was already there, yeah, and he was, he, you know, so he would have been, he would have been on on the right side, as it were. So quite a few of them, because as we know, we haven't had a lot of turnover since Butch no. has been there. We don't buy many players, we don't sell a whole do lot of players. So, so quite a lot of the core that you know remained uh, were there, and that were buying into Poch. And so that fist clenching, you know, chest thumping thing was happening a bit then, and now you would expect it to be happening from Kane and Winks in particular. 
Oh, and Lloris, by the way, who, who well, is yeah, a, but, a World Cup winning captain. I know he's not that vocal. Hope it but you would come from Lloris, but no. It's, it's like you said at the very beginning. Lloris is the most experienced player in that squad. Yes. He's the captain of his club and country. Yeah. You'd have thought of all people to just concentrate for yeah. the first 20 of the yeah, next yeah, game after exactly. you've lost to Bayern. And I think that, yeah, I mean, the, the colour did drain out of their faces, didn't it? It was, I felt like they felt embarrassed. They were embarrassed and they never got going at all. They, they were hopeless. But they were hopeless even before the Reese's. There's a video going around among Tottenham fans of Lamella putting in the most half-assed challenge to stop the cross going in, the cross that led to the, to the injury and the incident. Really... So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go on and on and on about so Tottenham, but basically, you talk about teams, and I know we're going to talk about a few teams where the wheels have come off. If you're asking me, have the wheels come off at Tottenham, or is it just an illusion? No, they've come off. They've so, come well, off. so what's next then? If, if they've well, come off, what happens next? We've been next? speculating about that just, you know, on the Spurs show. Um, um, regrettably, the, the noises coming out from good sources are that Pochettino has, has he's lost his mojo and he's just not that into it anymore, and he's. He fancies moving on, and the same applies, obviously, to a lot of the senior players who are. So he's, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want it anymore. Now, so, sorry, managers, as we know, they don't just walk away. That doesn't happen for about twenty, twenty-five years. Because if you walk away, you're basically saying, quid. "You know that ten million quid? <laughs> you keep it. I just don't yeah. fancy it anymore." So they yeah. have to wait to get sacked, or they have to get wait to get bought uh, effectively. But is this not a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy from Poch? I mean, he, before the Champions League final, he said, "If I if I win this, I'll probably yeah. go." Now, was that? Do you believe that to have been the case? Or do you think that was just a kick up the arse for Daniel Levy to say, look, I've taken this squad as far as I can. If I win it, that is the, the, that's, that's the pinnacle. I need more players. I think with Pochettino that he is an emotional guy and he's, he's very often got his heart on his sleeve and I think, he was, I think he meant what he was saying. And I think it was indicative, and I think one of the problems within the camp is that it was indicative of him being less than committed generally. Yeah. He's already contemplating leaving. He's thinking so what about leaving. That for, his, for his players. Exactly. And I think that's, from what I'm hearing, that's where the rot started to really set in. Right. Although there was already a problem. We haven't won an away game since January in the league, so there was yeah. already a problem. But it was already starting to creep in, this... This, um, you know, where we just everything's dropped off. I mean, people have been talking about it a lot this year in the press about that the pressing game is no longer there, and you just need 100% commitment. The players are just aren't buying into it anymore, and, and Poch isn't really selling it anymore, you know. No, okay, well, we'll leave Spurs there for the time yeah. being, um, and we'll go to a team whose wheels probably fell off oh, six weeks ago at least now, I'd say. Uh, maybe longer, maybe maybe three or four months ago. We'll talk, talk about Manchester United, right? Who didn't their wheels come off when Alex Ferguson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they, they rebuilt them out of a very sort of fine material right. that just, just f- fell apart immediately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could go you could go as far back as that. You could go yeah. further back. I think you could actually go back to when the Glazers took over yeah. and, and maybe make the, make, well, argue the case that perhaps Ferguson was papering over the cracks yeah. with you know, one hand tied behind his back, and that shows what a good manager he was. Yeah. But since he's gone and since David Moyes came in and took all the staff away and brought his own people in, it's been... Just a disaster, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, the funny thing is, they were so dominant for so long. He was such an incredibly good manager. Sometimes uh, you, we, knew all knew, we all knew he was good then, but anyone out... We, we all sort of... I never really hated Man United. A lot of people do. I yeah. never particularly There's a lot of glee around at the minute. Yeah, uh, but the point right, is, it yeah. was we, we dreamed of this. We yeah. dreamed of a Man United <laughs> that wasn't supreme, that wasn't, you know, invincible. And it's been going on for... It seems like it's a few years now, isn't it? It is. I feel like it's hit a critical point now um, when you've got the likes of Gary Neville, who previously has been 
a cheerleader still for the club mm. a little bit, you know. He, he's always seen the positive, like you, Theo. Yes. Always seen the positive. And I feel like he is still saying that this is a process. But I don't know what a new manager does with that squad. They spent a billion quid, yeah. Yeah. and they don't have a squad. They certainly don't have a first team. Yeah. What I'll do, I'm going to read through the, um, the first team from uh, the Newcastle game on Sunday. Right. Um, and I want you to tell me which of these players would get into any top yeah, good. eight team. Okay, good on you. So we'll go, and we, and we can we can give a, a free pass to the youngsters. I think that's that's fair. Those who, those who haven't yeah. played that much, I think it's yeah. fair. All right, so David de Gea. Yeah, well, he's good. Obviously, he, yeah. he gets in. Yeah. Diego Dallo. I mean, who is he? <laughs> that's yeah. a better answer. Yeah. Uh, Axel Tuanzebi. He's a youngster. We'll give him yeah, a pass. Okay. I think uh, Harry Maguire. I think yes, he would. Uh, but Ashley... he's just been bought. I mean, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ashley Young. Well, he's past it, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. Good, good, good pro, but he... he's, he's, he's had a great career, but yeah. no, he doesn't he's get into not, any top eight answer, now. That's for sure. Uh, Scott McTominay? Not sure about him. I mean, he looks like he might be all right, but he, yep. equally, he could be the new Darren Fletcher, couldn't he? He could disappear. Which wouldn't be bad, though. He had, he had a pretty good career. He seems yeah. like an Alex Ferguson-type player who, yeah. who will be in the squad for 10 years, not necessarily yeah. start games. But at the minute, he's their starting number one yeah, midfielder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fred? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the disdain in your voice there. Hmm. Uh, Pereira? No, I don't think so. Matter. No, he's past it. Dan James. Well, he's good, but I mean, you know, again, again he's just turned up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Marcus Rashford. But yeah, again, still we're not. He hasn't completely convinced, but he, he he's good. I mean, and he, again, he's only twenty-one, yeah. and I yeah, think that's yeah. you can't yeah. forget that. But out of that, we, we've picked four players there. Yes, that might get into the top eight. Yeah, exactly. and they've spent a billion pounds yeah. on this team. Yeah. I mean, now I'm not saying that all that money's gone to waste. I understand that a modern football club has a lot of turnover. Yeah. They had this weird couple of years with Van Gaal where they tried to do this strange or Galacticos light version of just signing big names, yeah. regardless of where they fit into any sort of system, regardless of any long-term planning. Yeah. He spent a couple of hundred million in such yeah. a short amount of time. Yeah. But you look at that team and you think, okay, there's some injuries, but that's what a squad should be, is yeah. able to c- cope with that. But there's just nothing there. No. There's, there's nothing there. I mean, you wouldn't trade places with United at the minute, would you? No, no. I wouldn't. No, Man United are, are still. But mind you, but I mean, the, the way we're sinking, we could, we could get we could get as low as them quite quickly and then go go past them. But but uh, right now, no. Uh, United have got massive problems. They need someone to go in with a coherent plan. Yes. The only thing I would say in Solskjaer's defence is that the best three players they've got this season have been the ones he bought. Uh, Maguire and um, the fullback, Wambasaka, yeah, and Dan and, James, and Dan James, who's he, he actually signed very well. But yeah. but this is the thing. This is their problem, and this comes down to the, the lack of planning. And potentially, it might all be from the owners. In the summer, they spent X amount of money, sixty million Wambasaka, was it, or eighty million yes. Harry Maguire, a, yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. But they sold Lukaku, their starting striker, yeah. for seventy-five million. So the net spend's quite low. They let Sanchez go, who was appalling, but at least could play up front. Yes. They let a starting centre midfielder go and Ander Herrera yeah. for yeah. just let him go because they yeah. wouldn't pay his contract. Having, you know, they rejected Juan Mat- They rejected him, but they, they signed Juan Mata's yeah. contract, which is bizarre. Yeah. What did they expect was going to happen when they're now relying on a seventeen-year-old boy who had tonsillitis last week? Yeah. To, to be their second choice striker. I just, I cannot understand this planning it's, at all. No, it's very difficult to understand. It's difficult to know who to blame because, um, as I say, so, so they bought three good players. Is it Solskjaer's fault? But the, the finger increasingly has been pointed at Edward Woodward. Is that his name? Ed, yeah. Edward. Edward Woodward. Yeah, Edward Woodward. Um, Wasn't he an actor? Wasn't there an Edward there Woodward? Was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, there was. 
Uh, yeah, because he's the common factor here. You've had what we on a fourth manager now, like you said, we had Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho, and now we've got. Uh, so you think, well, that's four pretty good guys have had a go at this, and no, and they're not getting anywhere. And diff- they will try different What's, things. Yeah, who? Where's the common denominator? And it's one guy. Yeah, because he his role is he's, he's the boss of the whole thing. I don't know what his title is. Probably chief executive or chief operating. Chief operating, operating, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. And he is effectively the director of football, and as much as he says yes or no on the transfers, which is why he fell out with um, Mourinho, because yes. he stopped buying Mourinho's wish list. So, I mean, sooner or later, he's got to be, someone's got to g- g- give him the old glass of whiskey in the revolver. So. But, he is, but he's someone who, on the uh, marketing side of things, in terms of raising funds for the club and, and, and making money for the club, he's absolutely fantastic. He's unparalleled. And while the Glazers have that guy mm. making them money, oh, yeah. they're not going to be there for 20 years. No. They don't care if the people stop supporting them in 10 years because they'll be gone. But won't they be looking at... You're right, but isn't it important for them if you're looking at only the money? I mean, because you always often think that about Arsenal in recent years. They're making money hand over fist. Mm. Who cares whether they're winning cups? This is what the owners think. But there is a big difference in terms of money between being in the Champions League and not being in the Champions League. So to some extent, what I've always said about... Because Levy's often accused of only being a businessman and all that. But I always think, yeah, but his business agenda coincides with our agenda as fans. What do we want? We want a successful team with a great stadium, great training ground that's going to, that's going to, you know, do well and be good to watch. Well, that's what he wants as well, because he's trying to build a business that he can sell. Yes, absolutely. But I would argue that Levy is a Spurs fan. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But the businessman first. Absolutely. I I would agree with that. But the Glazers don't seem to have any emotional have any connection. connection. They're, I mean, they're, at, they're remote, yeah. If you've been to true. Old Trafford recently, it's, it's, it's starting to get run down. It doesn't look great. Really? But yeah, it's, it's, it's not anywhere near the level of some stadiums in the country wow. now. Yes, they'll keep making money. They're making more money than they ever have done at this point. Yeah. But in 10 years' time, if they're not one on the thing, those kids will be Man City, Liverpool supporters. Yeah. So it's short-termism. Yeah. But, they don't, but they don't care because they're, they're going to be gone. Short term. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think Woodward's great at raising funds and losing out of the Champions League. All right, Woods, go and yeah. sign the new noodle sponsor. It's not a big deal. It's yeah, not, yeah. They can make that money up. Yeah. Just separate the, the, uh, the roles. So he should stay on the money side and get a guy in who knows football, who has a long-term plan. Anyway, right, we're going to have a break. After the break, we'll be talking about a couple more clubs that probably fall into the same category of wheels coming off. See you then. Welcome back to the show, Whistleblowers. It's me, Mark Smith, yet again, as it was before the break, and Theo Delaney. Uh, good break there, Theo. Lovely break. Really I had some nice Skittles, break. actually, which were delicious. Uh, I saw you wolfing them down. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bought very them. Very Moorish. I know. Sorry, I think I've eaten them all. <laughs> That's all right. Um, other teams where the wheels have come off. And yeah. I don't know why this is happening so early this season, but it no, does but it's seem good. It to be happening. it makes it entertaining. Does it? Yeah, of course it does. I mean, football. I mean, it's all about. You can't. They can't all. They can't have all the teams doing well. That's the whole point of it, isn't it? I mean, I suppose so. But it, it means that a club like Liverpool, who yeah, are just metronomic. Yeah. yeah, they're just absolutely metronomic. In fact, let's talk about them for a second. Let's not be relentlessly negative because okay. Liverpool have now won seventeen in a row over two seasons. Yeah, which is absolutely staggering yeah. to me, given that if you look at their midfield. Player for player, just in Not terms of good. ability, you just go, okay, well, there's better midfields in the Premier yeah. League. But as a unit, and, yeah. and in terms of the, the criteria needed to fit into that system, they are absolutely flawless. Yeah, I mean, they're hitting a sweet spot. You learn that with managers, I think, that managers and players, they, they hit a sweet spot where 
It just, everything's right. It doesn't last. Which lasts for 17 games. Oh, yeah. I mean, can, <laughs> when I say it doesn't last, it can last for three years, right, but it doesn't okay. last forever. Sure, yeah. But he is a great manager. I think we all now realise that. And very likeable yeah. and just and want that, to be well, his that's mate. that's part of it, I think, yeah. is that you, you, the, the players, they like him as well as respect him, as well as buy into his methods. Yeah. Uh, he gets more out of the players than they started with. He's all the things that Pochettino was and now appears yeah. to be waning in. And, um, yeah, I agree with you. That, that, that midfield players like Henderson and Milner. Wijnaldum. And... Yeah, Wijnaldum, exactly. Would they, they get they... in any, any, would they, any of those get in the City team? No. no. They wouldn't get in the City team, no. But, as a, but the whole unit would. But what he gets out of them, yeah, as a unit, they're, they're the best in a, in a way. That's what, the, that's what the results seem to suggest. Yeah. And it is all about buying into the philosophy of the manager, isn't it? I mean, I remember it probably is three, maybe four years ago now, where Klopp, um, it was, he got sort of... Uh, hammered in the media and on Twitter and online after the West Brom game at home right. where they'd equalised in the last minute. Right. So they got a point at home to West Brom and he took the players over to the fans and they did like a whole ole ole yeah. sort of thing and everyone laughed. Was, You're celebrating a draw with West, with West yeah. Brom at home. But actually he was just ingraining a sense of uh, unity between the, the stadium fans and the players. Yeah. And that has been crucial yes. to what has come through. We all laughed at it at the time He's absolutely nailed it. He's no, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely, yeah. Not, it's not just in terms of charisma, because he's obviously very charismatic, yeah. but he just... He's clever. He's a very smart guy, yeah, and he's a sort of manager that I think anyone in the world would like. And now he's had his teeth whitened and straightened and looking all lovely, he's actually a very dashing he's man. He's actually quite an attractive man. <laughs> <laughs> he great, really is. Great glasses. Great glasses. Quite a selection as well. Lovely hair. Yes. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. Big fan of him. Uh, we were positive there for about two minutes. Let's be negative yeah. again. Uh, man City, have their wheels fallen off? Well, that's an example there, I guess, of a, of a, of a manager and a team that look like they are just... It, you know, it, amazing, invincible, you know. But I mean, some of the hyper, hyperbole that goes around about Manchester City in the last couple of years with journalists saying, this is the best team we've ever seen. Yeah. This is, they're playing football like we have never seen in the Premier League. They will be dominant now for, yeah. I mean, you can't even see an end to their dominance because they've got everything. And of course, here we are. And that's why, that's why I think football is brilliant. Because you just when you think you know everything's going to be the way it is, it, it isn't, you know. And of that's course. why Liverpool, who knows? It could all go wrong for them in January. They get a few injuries and, and a couple of b- bad bounces. I mean, this season, they, they were quite lucky to beat Sheffield United, for example. Yeah. They really were. I mean, you know, it's Sheffield United. I mean, you know, City lost at Norwich, and everyone's like, "What?" But Liverpool could have lost to Sheffield United with a different, different rub of the green. I mean, yeah, and, and the goal that they scored in that game was a was a lucky one, straight to the keeper's legs. Incredibly lucky. Incredibly lucky. It can happen. Incredibly lucky. I think so. City. I think um, you know these things happen. I think there might be a certain amount of complacency and arrogance about them, possibly. Certainly, um, maybe about Guardiola. But they've obviously they've got one obvious problem, which I think we've talked about in a previous whistleblower. Centre backs, which is at centre back. Yeah, which is a big problem. Again, you were talking about would those Liverpool players get into uh, the other big teams in in their midfield? No. What about City centre backs? I mean. (laughs) No, I don't, I don't no. think they get into anyone in the top. No, maybe so that's top a massive eight, top handicap. 10. Such an crucial part of the team as well. Yeah, I mean. it is because actually, City haven't even at their very peak. Let's say a few months ago, where they were just destroying everybody and just wiping the floor with Watford in the FA Cup final, whatever. Yeah. You still felt like they were vulnerable at the back. You yes. still felt like if you put pressure on them, that's why you'll get something because you, you could always they could always concede. Yeah. yeah, and it's not dissimilar to Pep's previous teams. I mean, Barcelona, even that classic Barcelona side, it probably is for my money the best club side certainly that I've ever seen. Yeah, 
even they, if you, if you if you manage to get to their back four, you would create chances, you would score goals. Yeah. But at the moment, where they're not particularly firing on all cylinders, where they've got Aguero, who looks like he may be coming towards the end of his life cycle at Man City. I'm not sure if Jesus, Jesus, Jesus... Is necessarily the answer to... I'm not sure if he is, he's certainly not the same calibre as Aguero of of a couple of years back. And I just wonder, like, are they going to get exposed more this season? Are they going to fall further behind? Because eight points already seems like a pretty big mountain to climb, although you wouldn't wouldn't bet against them. It could well be that Liverpool run right this season and just and go and win 33 games. Yeah, and... I mean, I don't know what the bookies are saying, but there must be heavily odds on even now to win it. I would have thought Liverpool and, you know, because what, what, what you, when you look at a team as good as Liverpool, you think well, it's all about, never mind what City do, Liverpool have got to drop now eight yes. points. They've got, to, they've got to effectively lose three games or draw a hell of a lot. And they don't look like doing that. But like you say, it can change in but a week. But it can change, it? and that's what Three that's games in a week, and it's, it's all done. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's any danger that Man City, having fallen so far behind already, Pep will now prioritise Champions League? Possibly. I mean, that's obviously... That was probably already his priority. Do you think so? I think so, because that's the thing they haven't won, and that they're the owners and Pep and the fans. They probably all desperately want to win that. You know, with Liverpool... it. It always felt like it was, and certainly still is, the Premier League, because Liverpool were obviously synonymous with winning titles, and they've seen United stretch ahead. So with with Liverpool, it was that. Liverpool historically have found it, in in recent, last 20 years, have found it easier to win in Europe. But with City, it's the other other way around. They've won titles. They've won all the domestic... Yeah, they would. City have won all the domestic prizes they win them for fun you know and, and, yeah. and but they can't we cannot be call themselves champions of europe they haven't even got to a final spurs have done that spurs and even poxy old arsenal have been to a champions league final <laughs> the cackle <laughs> the, the cackle of a spurs fan um you mentioned a second ago man city losing at norwich um and actually norwich since then have lost all three yeah. uh and most recently at home 5-1 to also newly promoted aston villa yeah can, can they be thrown into the same hat of yes. a team with the wheels of falling off? I don't off? know much about Norwich, uh, but I do know that it feels like that was such an enormous, not, not, such a, not so much a physical effort, but an emo- such an enormous emotional effort yeah. that you feel like they're, they're still recovering from the enormity of their achievement in beating Manchester City and that they, they haven't quite refocused, but they better hurry up. Yeah, I, I also feel like they... Played Man City in front of the cameras and Saturday night football under the floodlights. It felt sort of cinematic. Yeah, and it was great. It was so it was fantastic, brilliant, to wasn't watch. it? it was like and it was so movie. exciting. And I, and I felt like if you if you can't get up for that as a player yeah. at home in front of a home crowd, thirty five thousand, yeah. whatever it is, then you may as well give up. Yeah. And like you say, once you've then sort of scaled that yeah. peak. Yeah. It's then difficult to... It's a bit, it's a bit run of the mill. To... But who did they have next after that? It, was, well, it, it, it wasn't Man City. I can't remember. So it's quite hard to yeah. get, get no, up for that. But yeah, well, the last three in a row, I mean, it, it does seem like it's really affected them. Um, I'll tell you now, actually, it was, uh, it was Burnley away, which, I mean, is exactly the opposite yeah, of a, a really Hollywood game, isn't it? Run of the mill, lower division game, the, the uh, unglamorous place And then to go. Palace away, which they lost without yeah. scoring again. Yeah. And then at home to Aston Villa. Then... So is it a case of them sort of losing concentration... And after the Lord Mayor's show, or is it that teams have worked out how to play against their forward line? I'm thinking particularly Pookie. Yeah, who stopped scoring. 
stop scoring, but is it just the teams are sitting a bit deeper and not well, giving him that space? What is it? Well, I don't know about that because I haven't watched a lot of Norwich, I have to be honest. But, well, I, but, but if you take the City result out and then you say at this time of year they've gone to Burnley and lost, then they've gone to Palace and lost, and then they've had a bit of a slightly freakish home tonking, it wouldn't be that remarkable given that no. they've only just come up and they've got a largely anonymous team. And remember, even in going up last year, they, they overachieved by most people's reckoning. That manager even we wasn't beat them. supposed we beat them to. Carrow Row, Derby. Yeah. They were, well, they weren't supposed to come up. I mean, no. they weren't among the favourites to come up at all. They were just suddenly this manager, suddenly something happened. He, 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 made, he, he conjured some sort of magic and they, yeah. and they actually cruised up in the end. But so they're, they're, they are really, to all intents and purposes, they're sort of out of their depth. And the, the, the Manchester City thing has, um, has thrown everyone. And, and so we're saying the wheels have come off, but had they not beaten Man City, I don't think we would be, find it so remarkable. But I think the difference is that they are in a, a position in the table, they're now second bottom, hmm. whereas I think a few weeks ago they were as high as eighth or ninth. Yeah. Obviously it's very early, we can't really read too much yeah. into it. But we are now in a situation where they are where a lot predicted they would be. Yes. But, those first five or six games, they were free-flowing. They were scoring goals. They were losing 3-2, 4-3, whatever it was. Mm. And that's how I thought it would go the rest of the season. Now they've stopped scoring at all, seemingly. Yeah. I just wonder how much easier that is to play against when you don't feel, you don't feel like you have to go and attack, attack, attack Norwich yeah. and then be open to the break. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, how, tactically, how does this play out for the rest of the season? Because this could be one of those where they go and just now sink. Yeah, I mean, they've got big problems that he's going to have to... I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Because, again, yeah, like, it, was, it was so glorious the other week. Now you get you feeling... If you get tonked 5-1 at home by another promoted side, yeah, it's really a time to have a, have a crisis meeting and, and rethink some things and change some things around. I mean, that's even so, this early. So I agree with you. If they, don't, if they don't address that and do something probably tactical as well, quite apart from um, talking yeah. about you know, esprit de corps and focus and, and commitment and stuff like that, then they will have problems. Uh, I'll put it on the spot now then. Uh, we're eight games in. Long way to go. 30 games left to go. Yeah. Uh, based on what you've seen so far, are Norwich going to stay up? And who would you, who would you have to go down? Let's, let's yeah. ask that instead. Who, who would you think will go it's down It's quite this tricky season, at the moment because, seen? you know, some teams that you thought... I, mean, I didn't much like the look of Southampton. They came to Tottenham the other week and went... Uh, had an extra man for most of the game. Oh, yes. And they were one all with an extra man and lost 2-1. And didn't even... They did, I mean, they lost fair and square, you know. It wasn't like we were hanging on or anything. So I think Southampton looked vulnerable. Newcastle are showing signs of life. This is how negative you got on Spurs, by the way. <laughs> a, a team... You yeah. beat a team and you suddenly think, ah, oh, they've gone. They're finished. We beat them. Well, yeah, but we, <laughs> we only had ten men. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. the thing. That's the only thing. That's the only reason I say that. But there is an element of that. Yeah, Watford obviously look poor, but again, they've... But I fancy them to, to rally. I fancy them to rally and do something. Watford yeah, maybe. Still. But I think I, I think Watford, Norwich, Everton look poor now. But surely with those players, I mean, he looks like he could get the sack. Obviously, um, yeah, manager. It could be any day now. Silver, yeah, and then and then they'll recover. They've got the players to stay up. Southampton look very vulnerable to me. Newcastle, might, they might be all right. Villa look okay. Brighton might struggle, but they get, they, they look very good on. I mean, they were again they were playing a very poor team. Yeah, it's difficult to judge, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the same as like um, West Ham or Newcastle against this, this Manchester United, where yeah. neither one really had to play that well to beat them. And exactly. Brighton just had to turn up to beat Spurs. Exactly, so how, that's true. So what, what do you read into that? You, have, you can read anything. Exactly. So for me, I think that... Uh, I hate to say it, but I think two of the three promoted teams are going to go down. I think, right. I think Sheffield United and Norwich. And if I'm wrong, feel free to hammer me on Twitter, whatever, at yeah. Mark Smith stuff. Um, and then there's one of three for me. It's one of Newcastle... 
Uh, Southampton or Watford? Yeah. I think I'd like to see Sheffield United. Have they got a bit of a soft spot for Sheffield I want to United? I like Sheffield United a lot. Yeah. Say, but yeah, I think Southampton and Watford, to me, they look they look the, the worst two teams at the moment. And I think Norwich, yeah, I think Norwich or, or one of the, I, for me, one of the promoted teams will definitely get it. Uh, what odds on United going down? <laughs> well, it I could happen. What, it could happen. Amazing, they're talking, wouldn't, they? wouldn't it? They're talking about. Um, I remember when they last went down. That's how old I am, mate. Oh my god, Theo! I mean, I was a very small child, yeah. but I still remember it because it was such a massive, massive thing. What year was that? It was about 1972. Like the Dennis Law thing. Yeah, the back heel. The back heel for Man City. Yeah. Oh my god! So I was, I was six years of age, but I still remember it because it was that bigger thing that yeah. it was absolutely. It was such a colossal But imagine thing. if it happened now with the, with the money involved. It would just be... Because they're saying now, United, that they, they just want to get to January and then strengthen. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. They had three months and they didn't strengthen in the summer. Yeah. And now everyone knows they're trying to buy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, January's that, never... I think they're yeah. in real trouble. I think they'll finish 15th. Yeah, I mean, if they went down, wouldn't that be... A, that really would be something, wouldn't it? It'd be, we, we would have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> hell. Right, I'd like to see Arsenal go down. Of course you would. <laughs> Of course you would. Uh, let's, let's leave it there. Uh, this has been uh, The Whistleblowers. If you like it, tell your friends about it. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, at Football Podcast. Football Podcast or Football Pod? Yeah, at Football Podcast. Yeah. Uh, football. I've been Mark Smith. Thank you, Theo Delaney, for joining Great us. Pleasure. Much appreciated. Uh, tell us, uh, again, a quick plug for your podcast. Life Goals with Theo Delaney. This one, this week, is Rufus Jones. There's also one with Paul Holtzby and one with Kevin Day in existence and more, many more to come. Where can you get it? You can get it all the usual places. Acast, Spotify, iTunes, the lot. Great. Right. Until next time, goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.